so we are here with uh, Mike Stevens, the new Chief Innovation Officer uh, with the City of Columbus. Uh, and you are out at the Idea Foundry because you are spearheading the uh, city's uh, very large uh, Smart uh, Columbus and Smart City effort. Um, how about uh, you tell us when you arrived and uh, kind of what your first days have been like? Great, thank you. Uh, I arrived, first day was March 20th, so I've been here about six, six weeks now working on um, really getting up to speed on the, the, the efforts that Smart Columbus um, has un undergone since we've won the award. Uh, a lot of great activity going on at, at the city staff level, uh, but we've got great partners across the city and uh, the private sector as well who's, who's really stepped up and you know, sees the value and importance in the long term of Smart Columbus. So I've been you know, getting to know them as well. Um, it was exciting to have this opportunity to come back and, and, and serve in Mayor Ginther's administration and focus on ways that we can continue to um, make Columbus uh, America's opportunity city, and, and, and but in ways, you know, using data as one way to help drive the decisions we're making, but also look at opportunities for uh, those neighborhoods that haven't uh, experienced the success that Columbus has undergone uh, in, in the immediate past. So the opportunity to find projects around smart Columbus that are innovative, um, data-driven, that will not only impact the future of Columbus and, and really uh, be a catalyst for our economic growth uh, going forward, but also make sure it's lifting up all our neighborhoods in the community so they can participate in that growth. I think that was the, the, the most exciting part about the challenge and the biggest driver. You know, was that part of the selling point of coming back? I mean, what were you, because you were at an economic, you were in an economic development role outside of Chicago, right? That's yeah, what I was leading a, a not-for-profit economic development organization uh, called Lake County Partners for the past five years. Uh, and prior to that, I was leading, I was a deputy development director here at the city of Columbus leading the planning and economic development efforts. So uh, while I enjoyed my time in Illinois and, and, and the challenges, and it was, I thought it was personally and professionally, it was a great opportunity and, and a growth experience. Um, this opportunity, you know, I, I was always watching Columbus. I, this is the third time I've moved back to Columbus. So I, I call Columbus home. Uh, I've lived almost half my life here. Um, so I always keep an eye on, you know, get online, reading business first, uh, reading other media to understand what was going on. So when I saw the announcement that they'd won the Smart City Challenge, um, I, th I thought it was fabulous. I can't say I was that surprised. I mean, I, the, the, the trajectory of the uh, city when I left was really on the upward uh, path, um, but it, it was cool to see. So having the opportunity to come back and be part of that um, is, to me, is, is professionally and personally, it, it, it's, it, it's a great opportunity. Doug, I'm a very persuasive person. And I made him an <laughs> offer he couldn't refuse. <laughs> really, okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to agree with you, I, uh, you know, as far as the city being on the upward trend. I mean, I think we've all been seeing that. But the smart city thing, to, to me, just, you know, it, it, it came out of the blue. Like, this is money from heaven that, uh, for the federal government anyway, uh, that I don't think anybody was expecting even two years ago. I don't know when the, when the first application process was, you know, first getting started. But it, uh, it was the topic of the first time this was, was uh, elected, but not sworn in yet. 
between former Mayor Coleman and I. So the first agenda item on that transition uh, meeting uh, was the Smart City Challenge, because obviously it required a significant amount of um, city involvement and engagement okay. in preparing the proposal, but also a uh, city match, a certain dollar amount that the city had to put in uh, as part of our commitment if we were awarded the project. So I think initially, the I'd have to, Tom would know these dates better than me, I think it was March we found out we were finalists, March, April, and then obviously the award came in uh, June of uh, 16, yeah. so just about a year ago. And it's quite. And when I met with the mayor to discuss this role uh, beginning of this year, one of the questions I asked him is, so, so what's success? And, you know, and then, I, then I said, it's success delivering on the grant. And I think the mayor kind of looked at me like, yeah, that's silly. Um, he, we're going to deliver on the grant, and, and he has that confidence. What he explained to me is success is not only delivering on the grant, but what are we doing to make sure this opportunity, this recognition, uh, this, uh, to become a, this job to become a smart city, how are, what, what, how are we parlaying that into a really a, a catalytic project and, and make it transformative and, and have the impact on our opportunity neighborhoods? I mean, that's, so my broad vision, that's the success I'm looking for, is making sure uh, we are going to be keep, always keeping that in mind because there's a lot of disruptive technology that's going to take place over the next couple of years as we run these projects out. But you know, how does it really impact and benefit our residents and, and, the, and the neighborhoods is, is critically important. The other thing that I, was attractive to me was it wasn't just the $40 million from USDOT or the $10 million from Vulcan. It was the commitment from the private sector that this is important to us. They were aligned with the vision and the leadership of the mayor, uh, and they stepped up with uh, a significant investment on their side. So from the outside looking in, I was like, well, that, that, that's a good um, recipe to, to achieve that success that we want. One of the reasons we wanted uh, Mike specifically for this role is because of his uh, expertise in economic development and knowledge of economic development. And, and so uh, what's really important to us is the execution of the proposal. Uh, but also shaping uh, future economic development opportunities to, to really grow that shared prosperity model that we want to see for folks in neighborhoods throughout our city. And so having somebody with the economic development uh, experience uh, uh, that Mike has, as well as someone that understands government uh, and government systems and how to get uh, both you know, city, county, state, and federal government uh, working together in partnership with the private sector to really leverage this thing. I mean, I, I, I've said this to you all before, but I really believe this is the, the crux of uh, the most important challenge of the 21st century. How do you leverage innovation and technology to help people improve their own lives? Uh, and this is at the, the ground floor of that opportunity. And what an exciting, exciting opportunity uh, for Columbus and for cities across America. Uh, that is our charge, that is our challenge, but it is an incredible opportunity. And so we wanted to have someone that uh, wasn't just gonna complete a project. There are lots of people who probably could have done that. Uh, we wanted someone who knew how to work with the private sector, knew how to leverage the Columbus way for greater returns on the people, uh, for the people of Columbus, uh, and create 
uh, economic opportunities in the future. Uh, and that's why Mike was uh, the perfect person to help uh, lead this. With a tech person of, of some sort. Then you say he's not a tech person. Well, I'm, I'm asking, <laughs> are you? <laughs> he's, he's challenging your question. Does the tech in, intimidate you at all? I mean, do you, do you feel like you have a good grasp on what some of the proposals are, you know, are... It, no, the tech doesn't intimidate me because okay. the technical team that we have working on this is really strong. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm able to, you know, grasp the, the broad strokes, ask the right questions uh, on, when we need to get into detail, but then I can also then turn around and translate that uh, to the broader community. Uh, so I, I, the expectation is I'm not going to be a technical expert. Uh, and but we, we have those, so that's why that doesn't, I'm not as concerned about my, my limited expertise on the technical side. And, and taking a step back then, uh, what is your team? Like, who, who, how many people do you have on your team? Well, so it's an enterprise-wide operation. And there is a, an initial project management office that public ser was in public service where we have a, a project manager uh, as well as a deputy project manager. Uh, and then, you know, program managers, I'm sorry, those are a program manager and deputy program manager. And then we have specific project managers. So the USDOT grant has a project manager as well as the Vulcan grant. And that's more about the electrification side. They have project managers. Uh, so there's project manager overseeing that. Um, you know, you've met Brandy Braun, who's, who's, who's serving, working with us kind of as a deputy chief innovation officer role. Um, as well, and helping a lot with the communication side because you know, that's an area we might need to making sure we're, we're getting out a message of what's going on since we've won the grant and what we're going to be doing going forward. Uh, we have a great partnership uh, with the Columbus Partnership staff. Of you know, Mark uh, Patton was recently hired as their vice president of Smart Cities, uh, so you know I'm co-leading this effort with Mark. Uh, he's got he's putting a team in place to deliver on. Uh, some of the areas that they've raised their hand and said, we're, we're going to help on this, things like consumer adoption of electric vehicles. Um, so th that's, but across the enterprise, there's folks in our Department of Technology who are spending, you know, most if not all of their time on working on the integrated data exchange. There are people in the Department of Public Utilities, you know, Division of Power, who are helping on this. Um, at some point, there's going to be other departments that we'll be touching. So it's really, the mayor said, "Put the team together that you need at the time, uh, and, and lead that." But it, it's 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 a cross-functional effort. Uh, we have other staff from the mayor's office who's engaged. We have staff from the Department of Development. So it's not about the the org chart of an office of innovation and and who's reporting where. It's more about how do we align the correct resources and 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 work smarter um, on on how we deliver our services for that. I think it's needs and challenges uh, and opportunities. I mean, you know, we won this in large part because of the Columbus Way, our public-private partnership. We uh, said, okay, federal government, we see your Ford Evoke and we see your 10 and uh, we'll uh, match it and then some. And now a $50 million award has become a $367 million juggernaut in partnership uh, with the Ohio State University and uh, uh, American Electric Power, and we've laid down a, a big challenge. We want this to be a billion-dollar uh, uh, 
uh, force for good uh, by 2020. We, we, we believe that we can grow this uh, investment in this transformation into a billion dollar enterprise by the end of the decade. Uh, that's ambitious, uh, but I would argue that uh, where we were just two years ago and where we are today, I don't think a lot of people uh, ever envisioned. So I think uh, uh, we need to continue to push ourselves uh, and make sure we get the blocking and tackling right uh, on the grant and what we proposed. Uh, but a lot of what we're putting uh, Mike and Mark's expertise is, okay, so how do we use that? Uh, you know, uh, what are we going to do with this intelligent transportation system to create jobs, extend the, the, the circle of prosperity, and connect neighborhoods uh, to those ladders of opportunity that we talked about? What, what's the role in um, uh, Smart Columbus in reducing infant mortality rates in our eight opportunity neighborhoods and opening up, you know, access to everything from healthcare to fresh fruits and vegetables, to job opportunities to high quality affordable childcare. Uh, that's what this plan is all about. And I think another reason we were successful is it's focused on people and the, the end user and, and uh, our focus is on the people. Obviously the Columbus Partnership play, will play a big role and there's a lot of big companies that have money to get you toward that one billion, but what about anybody else? I mean, is is there a role for small businesses throughout Columbus? How do they get involved? And, and it's an important initiative. We, we look at small businesses. We, we're working with our Office of Diversity and Inclusion to make sure that we're communicating what opportunities are going to be available to get involved. Uh, a lot of the, since June, since we've won, a lot of the work has been uh, our, our team putting their heads down and, and as the mayor said, doing the blocking and tackling. Uh, so it, it's, we, we, we're not ready, we haven't, we're working on the concept of operations. So the next phase going into year two is going to be then going out and taking these projects out. And there'll be a lot of opportunities then uh, to, for people to participate. And uh, it, it's no different than any other project that we have in the city of Columbus. We, we want to make sure that small, minority, uh, women-owned businesses and, and have an opportunity. Um, so we're going to, you know, it's that team, it's that enterprise-wide effort, uh, you know, th that we're working together. As, so whether it's diversity and inclusion, our procurement folks, they, they understand the importance of making sure we're involving others. An important point, you know, in our community meetings that we've done and we've had, I think, at least two now uh, in Linden uh, specifically talking about uh, what was in the proposal, what ideas uh, we could incorporate from Linden residents. One of the things that kept coming up uh, was, this is great, this is fantastic, we're excited about it, but how can uh, the people that live in Linden uh, take advantage of this from an employment perspective and from an income perspective or from a small business perspective? Uh, how can we get trained uh, and equipped uh, to do this work, engage in this work, and potentially do it in other neighborhoods in the city, and potentially as this uh, information and experience gets exported to other cities, build a, book, a, a business for small and emerging companies, whether they're minority-owned, female-owned, or uh, uh, locally-owned. So that's, that's something we've heard uh, as well uh, since we've engaged uh, in more direct conversations with neighborhoods about the plan. I mean, because right now, obviously, AEP 
Ohio State. I mean, these are big companies, you know, uh, so to see that trickle down, I think is going to be something that a lot of people are going to be, you know, obviously very interested in. It's important to note that AEP, Ohio State, they're contributing a lot to the effort. So it's, they're not receiving the grant dollars themselves. They're contributing the effort. So they're also going to be creating opportunities for our, our, our residents and our, our smaller and mid-sized companies. So um, having their engagement is critical. You're talking about transportation related. I know in a lot of other cities, they're, when they talk about smart cities, um, things like the street lighting system come into play. And I know we have a project here that has to do with street lighting. How does that fit with uh, your projects? So, uh, if you don't mind, from the USDOT grant side, the Department of Transportation, they're all around transportation and mobility. But it's tied into our you know, smart street lights. And it's and the big piece is the integrated data exchange. And that's where, you know, whether it's a connected vehicle or if, it, if it's putting in, using the Columbus Connected Transportation Network, these different parts and pieces all feed in this data that, that we're going to have and make available and, and, and public so that applications can be developed and, and, and new work can be uh, created out of it. I want to just emphasize that we're working now very hard on making sure the cybersecurity and the privacy of all this data is addressed from the start, because that, that's really important. But it, it, that's an, a component that will add to it. But it, a lot of it's, yeah, they're a transportation project. And you know, not to bore you specifics, whether it's the truck platooning that's going to go on down at our logistics district outside of Rickenbacker, or the uh, parking uh, app for residents and, and visitors to be able to find, you know, use their phone to get a parking spot as opposed to try to fight for a parking spot when the Arnold takes place. Um, oh, yeah. So it's around that, but you know, who's going to develop the applications? Mm -hmm. If we're putting in uh, infrastructure to charge vehicles or we're putting in infrastructure to you know, connect vehicles or go to autonomous vehicles, who's maintaining that infrastructure? Who's maintaining the autonomous vehicles? I mean, it, we, we've got to make sure. So this is a, you know, it's an economic development opportunity, but it's a workforce development opportunity, which is a critical part of economic development. And are we making sure our residents are having um, opportunities to get the training and certification they need so they, they'll be ready for the jobs that we're not even going to sure. We, I'm not sure what jobs are going to result from. There's going to be new jobs. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's going to happen. Um, you know, I've heard a lot since in the six weeks I've been here, you know, at the turn of the, you know, early 1900s, Columbus was the buggy manufacturing capital of the world. Most of the, you know, I think three out of four buggies were manufactured in Columbus. Well, the Model T wiped that out. Uh, you know, at that time, if, if we were keeping ahead of that, you want to make sure your mechanics and people are, can maintain that and have that workforce opportunity. It's that, what's the Model T in the Internet of Things is, is, is the challenge. Yeah, because I think we've decided clearly that's our uh, long, uh, short-term, short but also long ball uh, play here and a place to leverage a uh, spot for us internationally uh, in the economic development spaces in the Internet of Things. I mean, that's what the, that's why the integrated, integrated data exchange uh, system is in, uh, is so important, uh, not just for uh, uh, entrepreneurs and small business people that can uh, use that exchange in the appropriate and proper way. Uh, to create everything from applications to leverage different types of uh, services that can be sold 
to create jobs here in, in Central Ohio and I think serve as a model for uh, around the world. So uh, that's where we're thinking at this point. The, the, the big um, uh, play and leverage point for us is, is into that Internet of Things space. But the only way we get there is making sure that we have a secure, sound, accessible, integrated uh, data exchange that's going to stand the test of time. And this was in process, like that uh, data exchange, because uh, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure when when that started. Like, was this because of uh, the the smart city, or was this it was it was part of our smart city application? Mm -hmm. Oh, it was okay. Oh, yeah. So it, this was the the data tool is an important part of that because there's so much being created. And if we are going to hopefully establish ourselves as some kind of a an example. I mean, are, are we are we now you know, somewhat behind other cities? Are we well above other cities? Are uh, you know, can you place us at all on the spectrum there? I think one of our advantages is we weren't as far ahead as some of the cities we were competing with as finalists because we so we had a little we had the farther to go and and more to learn. Um, I think you know we will surpass them. We won the job. We're not. We didn't. We didn't get identified as a smart city. We won the job to become a smart city, and we're going to be using, you know, these next four years to develop best practices, good practices, things that we can share across the country and, and the globe. Um, so, when we're done, we want to be known as the smart city that communities from across the country and, and the world come and visit. When you talk about this data exchange, I mean, what literally is that? Is it computer or server or sensors feeding into one system or are you going to be tearing up roads to lay things it, it's down a big or it's a big data wires overhead or it, it's a it's a big data collection it's a database and it's a collection of information and so you know it's that big data it's that analytics um, that you know there's a technical area. I, I don't get it totally but I know you know it, it, so for example the connected vehicle environment so if your vehicles are going down the highway, they're talking to each other to make them safer, but they're also sharing information to the different points along the highway. It, it helps with making people aware of the traffic conditions, right? But it also, there's a, it's going out to the cloud, and that information is being gathered. Then that can be used by OEMs, you know, the car manufacturers, by logistic companies. That's, that's really important data for them. Uh, you know, one of the things they'll be tracking in the logistics district is um, parking, you know, because truckers are required to have so much downtime. So you, 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 when you're on the road, you're driving around, you see parks, trucks pulled over and parked in some place not in the safest locations. By using this data and be able to track that, we'll be able to help direct truckers to safe locations, not only for them, but for the other uh, public that's on the roadway at the time. So. And that, that's kind of an outcome of, of how we use that data, but it's, it, it's, it's really powerful. I mean, that's, that's in the Internet of Things, data is driving it. I, and I think that's why you've seen companies in Columbus already come together and do the, uh, the collaboratory and, and, and pull that together. And, and that's the advantage. Uh, that's where I'm, I think it's the right word. We have a lot of great private sector resources on how to you know, get data, how to manage it, how to secure it, and they're, they're sharing that information with us so we can make sure that it's, it's used in the best way and, and, it, and secure and, and it, we're keeping information private. 
And again, are, are you seeing this implemented in other cities yet? Or that, that so the, the, the cities that did not win the challenge yes. but are still pursuing being a smart city, right. they have the flexibility to pursue things, to be a little bit more narrow in their pursuit. And, and not have you know not following some of the direction of USDOT, so we are seeing different cases. There's going to be autonomous vehicles mm -hmm. out in other communities being tested. Sure. There'll be connected vehicle environments. Uh, you know, we, there's a kiosks that are going to be set up that are you know the, the multimodal uh, opportunity to, to move across you know different mo transportation plat transit platforms or mobility platforms. That's being done at other places as well. But what can we, you know, we're the ones tasked with doing it, finding out what works, finding out what needs to, what doesn't work and where we should improve, and sharing that beyond just those cities that were forward thinking enough to be looking at this. So the spotlight's on us, it's, which is where it should be. We're ready for it. Yeah, because part of this is going to be like you said, kind of exporting what we learned um, to other cities. Like the, that's the Department of Transportation's uh, goal uh, with this. So, are you in regular communication uh, with them? Or oh yes, oh yeah. Um, the team is probably having daily communication. Daily. Yeah, because we're working through concepts of operations for these different projects, where we're you know it's a feedback loop. And, it, and we're going through an agile process where you work on something and you test it and you, and you get feedback and to make sure that when we finalize our concept of operations, it meets their needs and then we can go out and start putting these pilot projects in the field. Uh, I speak with the lead, our lead contact at USDOT probably every two weeks. I'm speaking with her this morning. Um, one thing that I picked up very quickly in talking to her, she's she understands we're focused on a big picture and what happens, you know, going forward, the next 50 to 100 years. But she wants she wants a, a deliverable that can be replicated and shared across the country. So she gets the big she understands the big picture, but she wants us to deliver on what we said we would in our grant, and and that's what we're working towards. And the mayors, you know, got to know the the, the other uh, mayors of the finalist cities pretty well during the the process, okay. and so. Uh, have stayed in contact with them, and they have offered up resources to us. Uh, as different parts of their proposals. Obviously, Pittsburgh is, you know, really uh, focusing on autonomous uh, vehicles right now, in partnership with uh, Carnegie Mellon and some of the other uh, uh, partners that they have there, and the other cities as well. So, in addition to Mayor Peduto, uh, Mayor Adler in Austin, uh, I haven't talked to Mayor Lee of San Francisco recently, but I know Mayor James, Sly James of Kansas City. So we're keeping up communication, offering up uh, resources. Uh, obviously, Mayor James in uh, uh, Kansas City just unveiled uh, a streetcar, I think, within the last 12 months or so. And so lessons learned that they are already gathering there, uh, uh, you know, that can help inform us as, as we move forward with, you know, this intelligent transportation system, the modes, uh, and, and, and different options of transit. Uh, and you know, how critically important that integrated data exchange is to, you know, helping us live our lives more efficiently, effectively, uh, and be more inclusive. I mean, the bottom line is, I'm not going to bring a Technoglass back to the south side of Columbus. I am not going to bring Delphi back to the hilltop. It's just not going to happen. I know there are some people in jobs 
somewhere to mind that make commitments that they're not going to be able to uh, honor in the long haul. But that's the reality of the situation. So the other option is, uh, how do you connect the people of those neighborhoods to opportunities where they exist? And that's really what this is all about, is connecting uh, you know, the sons and daughters of, of folks who worked at Delphi or Technoclass uh, to opportunities at Rickenbacker, at Cardinal Health, uh, at Chase, at the Easton Job Center, or in downtown, where currently that is a much more daunting challenge uh, for them to take advantage of those opportunities. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I, th I thought it was, you mentioned the streetcar in Kansas City, and I know Cincinnati uh, just built one, but <clears throat> it's one of the more interesting uh, opportunities that we have here that I think will be quite interesting over the next five to 10 years because we had this concept of leapfrogging mm -hmm. some of those systems to do, you know, because we're not encumbered is probably the wrong word, but uh, we don't have that legacy system, so we have to create uh, you know, something else. Um, well, if you have an intelligent transportation system and an integrated data exchange, you know, our approach has always been all of the above. Right. right. I mean, uh, we're going to grow in this region uh, in the next 15 to 20 years at a pace of which we saw over the last 75. Uh, so the population and uh, the growth of Central Ohio is going to be very dynamic in a relatively short period of time. Uh, and so having those two uh, foundations, you know, the intelligent transportation system, the integrated data exchange allows us to continue to use many different uh, ways of getting around as opposed to investing all of our resources into one legacy system and you can name many of them uh, uh, because we have advocates and proponents in this community that say <laughs> put it all in whatever fill in the blank uh, and what we're saying is we want to use all of the above and base them you know based on intelligent transportation system integrated data exchange uh, and, you know, that's the way that we get the greatest mobility for people throughout this community. Because I, I really believe that uh, mobility is the great equalizer of the 21st century. And, and that's what our plan and proposal, uh, based on those two pieces of foundation, is rooted in, is how do we get folks uh, to different opportunities throughout this community, regardless of where they live and regardless of their education, or their socioeconomic status. So how does the training and education piece fit into all of this, particularly for the neighborhoods that you want to help? Mm -hmm. um, there are a number of ways. And one of the, uh, the blessings that we have right now uh, is there's a significant amount of uh, transition and new leadership coming into places with some of our, our major partners, uh, great partners that have been with us every step of the way. Uh, but an opportunity to uh, welcome new leadership into this community, whether it's the Central Ohio Transit Authority, whether it's the Airport Authority. Uh, we have just recently, uh, and, and those folks will be named within the next six to 12 months. So uh, one of the things that Mike and I and others are, are doing, and other leaders from the private sector, is helping those searches uh, focus on who, who would be the right leader to fully embrace uh, 
uh, and help us leverage what we're doing with Smart Columbus into the work of the airport, into the transit authority. Uh, uh, the, the outgoing folks there have been great partners, but let's go make sure that this is a top priority when we're selecting new leadership for these incredibly important partners. Uh, and we just recently, uh, in Lisa Pat McDaniel, uh, based on the reauthorization uh, uh, that went through about a year and a half ago now, uh, leading the Workforce Development Board, uh, formerly known as, as COWIC. And, and Lisa has a great board made up of private sector leaders and public sector uh, folks as well uh, that's really helping us do a reset around workforce development. And so there are a number of um, great opportunities for us to really um, incorporate and uh, make central to our efforts moving forward in and around Smart Columbus. Uh, so, um, you know, apprenticeship, vocational education, uh, and also opening, opening up some opportunities to folks that have real difficulty finding employment. Uh, we think there's a way and an opportunity for restored citizens, folks with criminal backgrounds. And some aspects of uh, the Smart Columbus uh, uh, future around economic development to open up some opportunities to folks there. Uh, some of the hardest to employ, but some of the most critical to continue to reduce recidivism, uh, have them honor their obligations to their family and help um, uh, strengthen uh, our neighborhoods and the quality of life there. From, a, from an economic development perspective, the biggest, I think, economic development issue and, and, and driver for the next 20 years is going to be talent and workforce. And it's when we talk about the ladders of opportunities and, and, and using mobility as an equalizer, instead of just continuing to attract more people, or, and, which we want to do, or, and retain the, the, the young professionals that are going through the education um, institutions here, we also need to activate those individuals who have either been unemployed or underemployed. And how mobility equalizes things is when we do a common payment system, if you are unbanked, if we can solve this, and we got a common payment system and you're unbanked, you have a way to get from your home to the transit provider, in this case, CODA. So let's say you're using a ride sharing to get to CODA. You get take the bus to where you need, and then the last mile. Is that a car to go? Is that a bike to go? Go go? I want to make sure you go. Um, or, or is it a ride sharing opportunity there? You know, right now, you can pay for all those. If you're unbanked, it's really difficult for that first mile, last mile. Um, but if, you, if we can solve it so you can get from point A to your destination and using a couple different modes of transportation. But it's not only the, the work, the job, it's can we get you to the training that you need to get the certification for these opportunities? Can, you, can we get you the, the health care? Because you know, when you have a job, you need to be healthy. You need, you, so having those health care options, not only for the individuals working, but for their dependents. And can we help them get their dependents to child care or, or dependent care? Or, 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 or doctor's visits, so you, then you can m maximize your job performance. I mean, you're not worrying about that stuff. When you're healthy, when your kids are at a place that you know are, is safe and, and, and are taken care of, then you can work. And, and, and that's, that's how it really equalizes. And, then, and if we can show to companies uh, from an economic development perspective, hey, we have the workforce. We have the talent that you need. And, and, but where we need the company's help is they need to say, well, this is the, here's our demand. Here's the skill set we need. 
and that helps the leadership of our workforce board identify what how we're deploying our training dollars. But companies that see the workforce that they need and, and see the talent pipeline, they're going to select Columbus because of that, and that's going to be a big driver. And then what, I guess, what might be the first physical things, signs that, that we were actually going to see? Brandy's kind of chuckling behind you. Um, the, I think I'm, I'm thinking about the projects, and you know, when we talk about autonomous vehicles, we're going to be doing some initial testing off-road, right? So we'll be at the Transportation Research sure. Center working with them, and then the next phase would be going up into the Eastern area and having a, a closed course and work, you know, working that through. And then the final phase on the autonomous vehicles is putting them out on the road and, and okay. seeing how that operates. Uh, you're going to see a lot. It, you're going to see a lot of everything, you know, in, starting in year two when we start putting these projects out there. So you're you're going to see us trying to put a, a common payment system in place. You're going to see us fi finding the right kiosk um, partner to then have people do trip planning. Um, you're going to see. I'm the one I'm really excited about seeing is the truck platooning, where you, where, where you get one truck with a driver in front and another truck that doesn't oh, have yeah. a driver, and, and it, the, the vehicles are talking to each other and talking to the transportation system. So as the truck's going down the road, it, it opens up the lights, it keeps it moving, which has a better impact on um, uh, reducing natural uh, greenhouse gas emissions. Probably the biggest thing you'll see initially is when we start putting the infrastructure in for charging. For electric cars and that electrification I mean that's gonna be the very really visible because if you want more consumers driving electric vehicles you need to have a place where they can charge them right and and, and you got to put that in so and the timeline for that is 2018 yes 2018 yes January 1st and not January 1st 2018 <laughs> I'm, I'm comfortable with 2018 <laughs> I mean the, you know AEP is working now PUCO to get the, the approvals that they need to go and do this. Uh, right. You'll, you're going to see more charging stations popping up uh, in, in 2017. Uh, you, you're in the timeline is we're really pushing 2017, second half of 2017 and 2018, doing some consumer adoption events, make, making people aware of what opportunities there are for electric vehicles, making the dealerships aware. You know, how, how do you sell these vehicles? How mm -hmm. do you, uh, and then making, you know, the, the OEMs talking to their leadership we need more electric vehicles in this market and across the, the price points. Mm -hmm. right? Not everyone's going to be able to drive a Tesla, uh, but there's Leafs and there's Chevy Volts and Bolts and, uh, and BMW. I know we, we've been in discussions with them. We've asked, hey, we need more. We need more I3s in here so we can have more of your electric vehicles. So that, that's, I think that's going to be the most visible thing is okay. the electrification. And I think, you know, an exciting opportunity because this is not San Diego or San Francisco. So these uh, batteries and the battery life of these electric vehicles has got to be addressed uh, to sure. uh, build and boost con consumer confidence. And so what better place to test that in a place like Columbus where uh, not only do we see, generally speaking, all four seasons, sometimes in the same day or week. Uh, so if, if we can extend the battery life, boost confidence, 
uh, of, of that for consumers, uh, we think it's going to continue to uh, expand the, the buying power here locally, but also uh, across the country because, you know, quite honestly, if you get it to work here, uh, think about the impact you can have in Denver or Kansas City or, uh, you know, uh, Madison and Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. I have a question. There was, there was talk at the beginning of this about doing some of this testing at the old Cooper Stadium. I know mm. there's been reporting recently on how that project spark is still kind of, no one knows what's happening with it. Is that dead now? I mean, are, are you guys abandoning doing anything at Cooper Stadium? I don't think there's any, I, I'm not aware of anything, but I'll let Mike speak to it. Unless yeah. we're cutting down weeds. That's about all you can do at Cooper Stadium right now. And you can tell Bill Schottenstein I said that. Unfortunately, uh, we have the, the pace of this process, we've advanced kind of where we're going that it doesn't appear like we're going to be able to partner there because uh, I don't think they're, the pace of their project has kept up. So at this point, nothing is occurring there. And you know, we're looking, talking to other partners. I mean, the Transportation Resource Center is, is really a jewel for Central Ohio, and um, that's going to be a great opportunity out there. But I, I don't want to let an opportunity go by to not get a dig in. Uh, it's another missed opportunity uh, for that developer and that development. Uh, and we're taking off and moving forward. Uh, and it would have been great to be able to leverage that opportunity for the people of the West Side and Franklin. And I'll leave it at that. Are we going to see sensors in the road or on light poles or? Yeah. I, so. As of now, we've got an extensive fiber network looping around the city, connecting us to other cities. Uh, so we're going to tap into that. So some will be in the roads, some sensors will be in the vehicles. Uh, one of, you know, this, this is a regional effort and, and it's going to uplift the whole region. Yeah. Uh, and we've heard about the Smart Corridor out in uh, Route 33, Dublin out to Marysville. And they're putting sensors in the road. And so we're going to see, you'll, you'll see the, the I don't know how, on the technical side, I can't tell you what the sensor is going to look like, but uh, the, the roads will become smarter and we'll be able to track and talk to vehicles and, and, and gather information and share. And we ha to a certain extent, we have some of that now. I mean, uh, our traffic control system, I think, is probably one of the, the best in the country and, and how we're monitoring traffic and, and that um, what we built out uh, on the east side on East 25th is, is a, really a, a technological marvel and it's helping you know it incrementally it's one of those increments we're, we're moving towards the smart city and, and the mobility side so and I do want to kind of tie that back into the, again the spark project I mean from the city's point of view you don't need that project to do this testing uh, you know whatever you are going to do there transportation research center route 33 whatever else the, yes we have other opportunities but as the mayor said it would have been it, it's a missed opportunity to not be able to, to do it there and in and, and, and that neighborhood and, and, and bring in uh, residents around there. Uh, but it, it's not going to stop us from doing what we need to do. Okay. And I think, you're, you know, the point I would make is um, the reason that we were so successful was our public-private partnership, but also our regional approach. You know, our application, we had over 200 letters of support from folks all over the region. Because uh, Mayor Stage in Grove City knew that if we won this award, it was going to improve the lives of the people of Grove City who may work uh, uh, in Columbus uh, or uh, that 
you know, interact as business owners, business leaders, that, you know, taking this on as a region. And uh, we just presented uh, when we hosted the Central Ohio Mayors and City Managers meeting earlier this year, uh, and continuing to get those city managers and, and mayors to figure out ways in which they can collaborate and work with us uh, and also leverage the work that's being done uh, to help improve the quality of life of the cities they work for as well, uh, I think really is going to set us apart, acting, uh, leading, and engaging as a region. Okay. Just the bigger picture, four years from now, Mm -hmm. Are there you know, two or three or four things that you're going to be able to point to to say, you know what, we, we got out of this what we wanted to get out of it? And are there, are there markers along the way that, whether it's economic development data or, or other data? I think our intelligent transportation system will be, uh, uh, if not fully uh, completed much further along to a place where we will have uh, the confidence uh, that we need in it. Uh, the integrated data exchange, I think, will uh, serve as a model for other uh, communities around the country. And so with those two pieces of the foundation, uh, I think, you know, we talk a lot about that first mile, last mile, the challenges for people who live in neighborhoods that because of previous infrastructure decisions were cut off you know, in some cases, literally, uh, mm. from uh, the rest of the city and the opportunities uh, uh, that the rest of us take for granted. Uh, so some of that, uh, uh, I think, we're going to be, are, are going to point to some great examples uh, of how we have connected, you know, we say that two-thirds of Columbus is doing pretty well, but one-third of our neighbors aren't. And so opening up those ladders of opportunity, I think, are going to be very real uh, to the people living in those neighborhoods uh, four years from now. Much easier to access, regardless of their socioeconomic status, uh, much more responsive to their needs and uh, the requirements associated with jobs, uh, uh, life. Um, safe, reliable transportation is one of the most important things uh, to someone who's trying to leave poverty and join the middle class. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.